From Fairfield University, this is David Schmidt, director of the Patrick J. Wade Center for Applied Ethics, bringing you episode three of Hashtag Can We Talk? This podcast series explores practical approaches to effective verbal communication. With us are the authors of the book, Hashtag Can We Talk? Diana Hulse and Pete McDermott. Diana has had a long academic career in counselor education, and Pete was a police captain and is a distinguished visiting professional in applied ethics at Fairfield University. As we continue to learn in our ongoing conversation with them, they have a combined background that provides a truly unique perspective on how people communicate. Diana and Pete, welcome back to the studio. Thank you, David. It's great to be back. So we finished last time talking about attending behaviors, both nonverbal and verbal. And that was really interesting to me. We're going to now see how other verbal responding skills can play an important role in our communication. We'll be looking at skills such as focusing, paraphrasing, and reflecting feelings. So tell me about this. Well, um, focusing and paraphrasing are, are two skills that people sometimes take for granted. But uh, again, using my past experience in law enforcement, focusing is critical. When you, when you arrive at a situation and you need to get information out You need people to not tell you a a full panorama of what happened. You need to say, did the person have a car? Did he have a gun? I mean, that's focusing, getting people to focus. Now, it's not just related to police, but it's what police have to learn exceptionally well in order to pass on information to expedite what they're trying to accomplish. So the same thing can occur with uh, a parent-child conversation you're trying to find out what's going on what's you you're trying to get the child to child young adult peer work fellow employee you're trying to get them to focus so this is a skill that that you utilize and it's where you you're trying to slow down a conversation you get involved with say a workplace confrontation or workplace uh, problem and people tend to talk all over the place and as you as we'll talk about in, in the future on these podcasts you know you have a group discussion but you need to to focus the conversation here we have something we're dealing with let's just deal with that and not talk about the weather or what happened or politics or religion or anything else. Let's focus on this thing. So you're, you're actually slowing down the conversation and giving the impression that this is what we're dealing with. And once people grasp that, or once the singular person grasps that, they tend to go along with what your suggestion, they'll focus on, just that one point. Again, going back to law enforcement, was there a car? Oh, yes, there was. And and then they'll continue to tell their story. You say, well, wait a minute. What 
color was the car? What type of car? So now you've got them slowing down from the whole situation that they've just been involved in, that they're emotional about. You've got them slowing down to say it was blue, it was an SUV, and this is information that is immediately relevant and it's going to be utilized by the police. It's going to be utilized to put the information out immediately. Then I can go back to the person and spend more time with them knowing that information is already out. The focus point has been obtained. So That's really important, Pete, because I've noticed in my workplace when things become urgent and the temperatures start to rise a little bit, people all start talking a lot faster. Oh, they do. They, and, and, because, and, and there's a combination of reasons for that. One, they want to get their point in. But as you slow it down, you can also express that everybody's going to have a say in what's going on. But let's focus on what it is we're talking about. The, uh, the paraphrasing is, is uh, a, a little bit, it's, it's not the same as focusing. Actually, it's letting people talk. What, whatever the situation, again, I don't want to over, override law enforcement throughout this whole conversation, but it's, it's a skill that police need as well because they're always interviewing people. They're always called upon to deal with people. So paraphrasing is letting people talk. And like the minimal encouragers we talked about in our last podcast, encouraging more conversation, you you repeat back in your words what you heard them say and they they now have an opportunity there's a couple of things that occur when you paraphrase one they know you're listening to them two they have an opportunity to correct a misperception you may have had so now you're having a conversation and they know their point is being listened to and that's a that's critical for continuing the conversation. I mean, again, going back to what we talked about in the last podcast, once people think you're not listening, the conversation's over. You can extract information after that, but the conversation has ended. So the paraphrasing is, is another way of continuing the conversation and letting the person know whether it's your child, whether it's your boss, whether it's uh, anybody, letting them know, I'm listening to you. Let me just check at this point to make sure I'm correct at what you're saying. So, and, and a lot of people use, heard the word, but paraphrase, but they're not quite sure what you're trying to accomplish with it. And I think to add to your points, Pete, that paraphrasing is a way to continue to build trust with the person speaking. Because if you are able to give a distilled version of the speaker's story back, then the person is thinking, you do want to hear what I have to say. And that's a critical piece of building interpersonal connections and interpersonal relationships. Mm. So, so the person who's paraphrasing is actually contributing to the conversation in a really important way. Right. Not parrot not parroting okay. back. No, but paraphrasing. Paraphrasing. And, you know, there are a lot of jokes in my 
former profession of counseling, you know, where the client will say, uh, I, I've been worried about something. It sounds like you're worried. It sounds like this. That, that gets annoying because that doesn't really convey that I'm really listening. But if somebody says, I've lived in this neighborhood for a long time and people constantly speed down my street, nobody seems to care, I could say, you've seen a lot of violations over the years and uh, yet nobody seems to correct the problem. So I'm reinforcing what may lead into feelings, which might be a good segue right now. Um, In my work in counselor education for years, I used a book written by the author Barbara Oaken, and she was very good in helping to explain these skills we're writing about. And one of the things that really stuck out for me was her statement that people think, people feel, and people behave. So feelings come in to conversations. And the, the uh, term we use in the book is reflecting feelings. So let me talk about that for a minute. So let's say, for example, I'm listening to you and I observe your body language and your words, and I'm beginning to get some hunches or guesses about what you might be feeling. And the importance of reflecting feelings is just another way to connect with the person speaking. And I would encourage folks to not be afraid to do this, even if your hunch is off base, because if you are not exactly getting the feeling right, you are demonstrating an effort to the person who's speaking that you're trying to get it right. You're trying to get at another level of experience the person is having. So back to the example of I've lived in this neighborhood for 30 years and people speed and nobody does anything about it. I might say, you feel really annoyed that the police do not fix this problem. The person might say, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I do. I'm frustrated. Or the person could say, I'm not annoyed. I'm really fed up. I'm tired of this. I'm just, I've had it. Whatever they may say. And so the point is that you are letting the listener, the the listener is uh, letting the speaker know that I am interested in what you are saying. And so you see a theme across all these skills. It's respect, it's building trust, and it's showing interest. And there are many ways you do this, and you'll notice these skills kind of overlap and fold into each other, but it's really important to figure out, do you ever reflect feelings? Do you know how? And we give you sample language in the book for you to practice and try these 
skills out. I really like this, Diana, because one thing that's important to point out is how these communication skills, especially paraphrasing and the respect that it shows, these are ethical uh, these are ethical commitments. There is a fundamental ethical duty to respect others because they are persons and they're entitled to respect. And what you and Pete do is you're giving us really practical tools tools to take that abstract ethical value, but you're putting it to work. And I think that's just so helpful. Well, I would just add to that. In the first podcast, Pete talked about the focus on de-escalation in our culture now and people wanting to get to the finish line and get results of civil exchange. But these are the building blocks to get to that point. Yeah, I mean, we haven't mentioned, we've used a lot of terms here, but we haven't mentioned the word listening. But paraphrasing, focusing, reflecting feelings is an example of I'm listening to you. And that's critical in our everyday conversations with everybody. It's I'm listening to you. And then people will, like Diana said, it's building a trust with people. If you do that in the workplace, for instance, you're a manager and you have employees that can count on you. You develop this relationship of trust they will continue to do that. But if you don't utilize these skills, if you're not aware of the skills of focusing on what is their major complaint or paraphrasing back to them so they know you understand them or reflecting feelings that seem pretty obvious to you, but you just can't walk away without checking with the person to see if it's true. Just don't, don't, just don't turn around and say, that person came to me, they were mad, and, and you never checked on that. But if you reflect feelings, you'll find out what their emotions were like. All of those things are a method of developing trust within conversations and ultimately in, enriching your relationship with those people, whatever the relationship is. This all sounds so nice. I wish it always worked that way, but I know that sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, sometimes it, uh, there, there, there are um, uh, times where people are confronting each other and, and it can get tense. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yes, this, this skill, um, we're shifting a little bit because confronting, first of all, is a term that a lot of people I've worked with over the years kind of recoil from, it has a sense of uncomfortableness or difficult uh, exchange comes up to confront. And yet, I think it's a good word to use, but I'd like to explain how we think about it and why it is part of this progression of building trust and particularly solidifying that the message the speaker sends is the message the receiver, the listener, receives. And so it seems off-putting to a lot of people because it sounds like you're giving feedback, which is a topic we'll get into a little later. But what confronting does in a really positive way helps prevent confusion 
and misinterpretations. So if somebody says to me, um, don't, don't worry, I'm, I'm up on everything. I've paid the car payment. I'm, I'm caught up with everything. Life is good. And then I find out something else, and I might say, well, you told me last week that you paid the car payment, but now you just said you forgot to write the check or something similar. You said you worked all week, and on the other hand, your boss called me and asked where you were. Now, those, those may sound like kind of academic examples, but there are a lot of things that go on where maybe I am telling you something difficult and sad, but I'm laughing. I'm telling you about a struggle I'm having, and I'm just kind of giving off body language that says, hey, no big deal. So one way this skill works is when the listener starts with something like, um, well, I'm a little... I'm a little confused. On the one hand, you tell me X, Y, or Z. On the other hand, I, I have information that says that's not exactly what happened. Can we clear this up? Can we talk about this? And I, I think... Um, it, to address incongruence, whether it's in facts or the incongruence of body language and words can be helpful to people. It's just more of a, you're, you're, you're kind of getting a little closer to what's really really going on. And I know you have examples from police that yeah. we've written about in other and, and the other the beauty of developing these skills, and again we keep saying everybody has used some of these skills in some fashion throughout their life from the time they started talking. But the beauty of this, if you if you develop the confronting skills, as Diana says, on the one hand you say this. On the other hand, that's a much better way of dealing with an issue, let's say, in the home or in the workplace than just accusing somebody of not doing something properly. You know, to start a, converse, a conversation outward. And a lot of people say confronting that when they see that word, they think accusations are part of it. And in this case, as Diana said, using the terms, on the one hand, you said, and on the other hand, I have this. So now I'm asking you to explain. I'm not calling you a name. I'm not degrading you. I'm treating you with respect, which is an overwhelming part of conversations and, and relationships. So, again, the, the reason for becoming aware of the confronting, the paraphrasing, the focusing is to make things successful, not to have conflict. Confronting is, like Diana said to begin with, is a difficult thing, but 
but sometimes the interpretation of that is wrong. Confronting is not accusing or anything like that. Right, and it, it's also back to our earlier discussion about de-escalation. It's a, it's a way to confront a situation without perhaps escalating more emotions. It's a way to say, okay, I'm just confused because on the one hand, and that's a great phrase for people to remember, on the one hand, on the other hand. I think that's a really helpful way to wrap that up. This is so important. We're talking here about some very essential communication skills. Pete talked about focusing and paraphrasing. Diana, you led us into a um, discussion of reflecting feelings. And then that took us to this really important skill of confronting discrepancies in a supportive uh, and uh, positive way. These skills can help the listener gain knowledge about the speaker and to understand the speaker's message and intent. And these skills also help the listener communicate empathy while continuing to build on interpersonal relationship with the speaker. This is important because as Diana and Pete have said from the very beginning, we all need human interaction. We all we need interpersonal relationships to thrive, to live. The skills that you're presenting in this, in this podcast give us concrete directions and practical means to realize these goals. So I'd like to thank Diana and Pete for this uh, really helpful session. And to our audience, I would like to say, uh, if you'd like to follow along in hashtag Can We Talk, you can pick up a copy on Amazon.com. Pete, Diana, thank you so much. Thanks, David. It was fun. David, thanks once again.